Forget your former managers, ignore the ex-pros. As football fans, we all know the real experts drink in pubs. It's funny, it's argumentative, and often it's just plain wrong. Welcome to the Foss Arms Public House and welcome to the Leicester City Pubcast. Hello everyone, welcome to the award-winning Leicester City Pubcast, home of the FA Cup holders. And welcome to a gloomy and rather quiet Foss Arms this evening. People staring into their pints of Trump Wells. IPA, as indeed are my two great friends. Killer, good evening. Good evening, Tim. And Norm, good evening. Good evening, Tim. Uh, just calm down on the enthusiasm a little bit. It's a slightly disappointing week, isn't it, please? What it is, and, and you you did say, Norm, last week, Just or, or was it you, Killer? One of you said last week, what are we going to be feeling like if we lose to... Uh, in the Euro- European game and against Leeds. And it didn't happen, Killer, but it's the next worst thing. Yeah, and that's, we'll start with Leeds because um, it wasn't very pretty, was it? And we're at that point now in the season. Let's be honest, guys. You know, we can turn around and we can say a little bit of a bump in the road. This and, and and again, it was a horrible performance. There's, there's no getting away from it. We're playing, I think, a team that will spend most of the league, most of this season in the bottom six. I think they're a bit of a ragtag team. They can't defend. They're set up to attack. And I don't think they necessarily got the players. And the reality of it is, for large periods yesterday, they outplayed us. And there was times where I was watching the game and it was, it was bordering on... In, in, in truth, in terms of possession, when we think that we are, we are or should be a top five team, and they were all over us. And to be honest, what I've done today, Tim, because I was kind of down, I needed to gather my thoughts before the Trumpwell's IPA started flowing through my veins. <laughs> so you'll be glad to know that I've made a list of five key points which I know all of the listeners will be rubbing their hands gleefully thinking, I can't wait to hear Killer's nuggets of wisdom. So, so I'm going to start with the absolute obvious one because I find it quite incredulous that anybody involved with Leicester City can actually say that we don't have an issue with set pieces. Because oh. as somebody said in the pub on Saturday night, when Leicester City, when Leicester City concede a corner, it's like a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but hold, hold on, hold on a minute. Is, is anyone killer? Is anyone actually saying that we don't have a problem with set pieces? Brendan Rogers. Brendan Rogers. Brendan Rogers turned around after the last, last home game and said, we don't have an issue with set, with set pieces. That's what he said. He was effective. He was he was almost moving it away on the basis of we are one of several clubs that are conceding a few, but I don't think that we've got a we've got an issue. We have got mm-hmm. a serious issue, Brendan, and it needs to be addressed. But that's the obvious one. All right. So, but that's that's number one. He, he, I looked at the team on Sunday and straight away I pulled that little face that you pull like you've just opened a Christmas present and you thought it was going to be a bottle, a fantastic aftershave, and it was one of those <laughs> chocolate oranges. And I felt like that when I looked at the when I looked at the Leicester City team. I do not like 4-3-3 away from home ever, 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 simply because you can't get the ball with 4-3-3. You just you 
if you're playing away from home and you're playing against a team like Leeds, you've got to have the ball. If you have the ball, you can kill them. For large periods of the game, we didn't have the ball. And for large periods of the game, by the way, guys, have you noticed we didn't see Lookman, Vardy or Barnes? We didn't see them because they were waiting for the midfield to get hold of the ball and they never got hold of it. So point number one, please, Brendan, no more four three threes. It doesn't work. Here's my second point, Rogers. You should have this, I think, on a big whiteboard in your office, just to remind you whenever you're picking the team. That's if Yuri Tillemans, Wilfred Ndidi and James Madison are fit, you play them. You play the three of them. They're the perfect combination. You play them. And that leads me on to point number three. I don't think you can play Samari and Ndidi in the same team. And especially if you midfielders, because where's your ball player? You're asking too much then, because those two guys, indeed he's a fetcher and a carrier, and Samari's a square ball merchant. Don't do it, don't play. What we're getting on to point number four is Ryan good enough. And as far as I'm concerned, there if Pereira and Castagna are fit, they should be the only two that ever play fullbacks. James Justin obviously being the third when he comes back in. And they're the key points, really, because I thought it was the shambles. And I'm looking now at Leicester City's season, and I go through the, the games that we see, and, and it worries me. Completely outplayed second half against Wolves, destroyed against West Ham, destroyed against Pat, somehow managed to get a draw. For large periods, outplayed against Brentford, and uh, again, lucky, and, um, and for large periods, outplayed against Leeds. Sorry, Enough. Something's got to change, and something's got to change quickly. Cheery nuggets of golden uh, killer wisdom, golden <laughs> magicness. <laughs> Do you know? And I, I, I think you, I think you, I think you've summed it up as always beautifully and eloquently. Um, can I? Can I just come in on a couple of the things? The, the set pieces. I'm just going to like throw it to you guys a little bit and. Anyone else that wants to make any comments on it who's listening? Set pieces. Is it is it this zonal marking that's the problem, do you think? Are we better off just going man to man? And maybe even considering having people on the on the back post at corners? Do you think that yeah, might no, help? no, let me let me answer your point on set pieces because I, I we've been talking for a long time about this and I pay particular attention to this yesterday because I know that we play and he has said in the past, we pay a combination of man-to-man and zonal. And by the way, that's maybe where the problem is. But what it actually meant, and I noticed the setup was time and time again, and for Leeds, corner after corner. So what we do is on the edge of the 18-yard box, we have four defenders marking man-to-man, regardless of how many Leeds attacking players they had in that position, which they varied corner by corner. The rest of our players who are in defensive positions, because I think he leaves Vardy up, are all around the six-yard box in very small zones. And they are not marking anyone. They are marking the zones around the six-yard box. So I just thought I'd, I'd tr- really try and put a bit of meat on the bones on what's going on here. Now, the, the problem for me then becomes if there are more attackers than the man-to-man people, i.e. more than four... I think you've got a massive problem as the ball's swinging into the box because the zonal guys aren't going to move. If that is outside the six-yard box, if the ball swings in outside the six-yard box, we have got a problem if they've got more than four attacking players. And by the way, they did have on every single corner. 
So there's always someone free up until the point that that individual hits the six-yard box and hits one of our zonal guys. And I mean, I look, if I, Brendan Rodgers knows far more about football than us, but manifestly it is not working. And I would have thought it's quite, that seems to me quite a complicated system that isn't working. And therefore, you know, maybe a back to basics. Yeah, I mean, and also the other thing for me is it's, the, it's this flick on at the, like, at the edge of the yard box. It's, it's time and time again. And how they didn't score a second from, again, from a flick on that ended up getting to their, their one of their goals. It's just, in, it's, it's just impressive. It's, it's, every, it's, every, it's every week. Every, every week without fail. Yeah. yeah mean, the, piece, the, 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 the thing I would say, and I've said this all along about overly repeat myself but but in, in in football the one time where you get completely the referee turns a blind eye to everything is set pieces and what's going on in the box okay and just to make the point today on sky sky sports you know you have this referee watch with dermot gallagher and yeah. and and he comes in and they show him all the key points of the weekend and stuff and one of them was i don't know if you saw it it was the top the challenge on tyrone mings when he's gone in for a head during the Southampton Villa game, right? And this guy, the Southampton defender, has got his shirt and he's literally, you can see, you can see him tucking it. And they've gone to VAR to see if it's a penalty and they've given no penalty, right? You can literally see the shirt coming off his back. Now, what I'm saying in this instance is, if you don't go man to man, then you lose the benefit of effectively cheating. That's what you can do. And everybody's doing it apart from us. You can cheat. You can stand on the toes. You can literally stop them running. You can stop them from scoring goals. You can't do that if you're all stood there like dummies. And you're quite right, Tim. A little bit of both doesn't make any sense at all, does it? No, I know. I know. As you've mentioned, VAR, by the way, I, I, we're not going to do a big thing on VAR here, but, but I hate the manipulation of the stats that they're doing. So they'll say that the, the offside goal that Lookman scored was VAR. How wonderful it is. It saved that goal because technically it was offside. Fine. It still spoils football. It still spoils the wow moment. The red card in the, what should have been a red card was categorically clearly a mistake that VAR did not, did not correct. And they should have been down to 10 men within the first 15 minutes. That was clearly a pass back by the Leeds player, not from our player. And then there's the foul, and that was a, a nailed-on red card. And VAR just got it hopelessly wrong. So, look, yeah. it doesn't excuse what was another shocking performance. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, it's disappointing that VAR is still getting everything you, wrong. Tim, Tim, you're right. We don't, want to, we don't want to dwell on VAR, but just very briefly, the, the, it has come out and said that the pictures for the VAR offside for Luckman, he said, he said the VAR have actually got the wrong picture. And if you look at it, he's not wrong. The ball has already left Jamie Barnes' yeah. head. And yeah. it, the, the, there's no doubt about that. And the ball's further away from Vardy's head than Lookman's foot is past the defender. I think it's all fair to say that had it been the correct because touched his hair on the way through to him, it probably wasn't offside. But look, we get them. You get them given. You get them, you know, some get I think we have to accept that. But like you say, VAR's just, it's just not operating correctly is it yeah. i mean in terms of your points killer I'd, I'd go along with most of it i think the, the only one i'd be slightly more open about minded about is the 4-3-3 not not particularly because of the formation but because of 
you know, and you, you said, look, you know, if, if you've got indeed Tielemans and um, Madison Finley, Madison play them. but Madison hasn't been doing enough to justify his place. And, and actually, you know, I, I'm sort of semi with you because actually I think it would have been a game that might have suited him. He could have slowed it down, found found gaps through their hopeless defence because they just can't defend. But I must admit, when he put the team out and he's put Luckman on one wing and Barnes on the other after Barnes' performance in the previous match, I thought, actually, you know, we could have a right go at them with these two. But Luckman didn't really have the game that he has been having, did he? Sorry, Kelly. Sorry, do you mind if I just hop in there? I, I couldn't. I'm absolutely with Killer on this four-three-three thing, and I, I think it's I think it's spot on. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you can you can play Luckman, Barnes, and Vardy, but play, you know, a, a different formation and still have Madison and and Tillemans and Ndidi in the side. I my feeling of the four-three-three is that Rogers and has and the team have lost a little bit of confidence. The team are playing with confidence. He, he would go away to Leeds and he'd try and win the game rather than play tough formation, almost to just grind out some kind of result, which ultimately was dead, but not the right result. So I, I, I think if he's, he's he's tinkering with things a little bit too much, trying to fit players in that, you know, Samari, I think, has played fairly well recently. It's almost like, yeah, I don't want him not to be in the side. I think Killer's right. If indeed Samari doesn't play unless he plays instead of Tillemans because Tillemans injured or needs resting. So I, 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 I'm, I think the madison Tillemans indeed the argument is different to the 4-3-3. And I don't like 4-3-3 either. It doesn't work as, as Killer's been proven right, as always. Well, I think I, I think maybe it is a case that he's, he's just desperately trying different things now because... You know, something's broken and something isn't working. And, you know, we, we've got two absolutely key defenders out long term. They are out long term. They're going to be out for a long, long time. But we can't continue to use that as an excuse because actually, you know, we've, we've got Evans back now. We have got Ndidi back. It was such a good thing to see him back. And I thought he had a decent game, you know, first full game back. But if you, to be honest, yeah. if you're Rogers and it, it's just not going well, he's got to try some different things, hasn't he, Killer? I, well, I don't know. I, I think one of the problems is I think he is over trying. Yeah. If I'm going to be honest, and, and, and I think I think I think Norm was absolutely spot on what he was saying. You, you, you've got to be brave as a football manager, and I think you've got to. If you look at that Leicester City team right here, right now, you know Amati's not good enough. So you kind of know you've got to play four at the back, and I just think then you've got to go five across that midfield then and just keep it absolutely rock solid. And if that means that Ian Atchew doesn't play and Samari doesn't play either, and actually those two have been pretty good, then I just think you've got to just turn around to them and go, I'm sorry, boys, but I'm, I'm, I, I need to stick five, five across that midfield. I know what you're saying about Madison. I actually thought we were starting to see flickers of his old form. Yeah. We aren't going to see that form develop if he's sat on, his, on, if sat on the bench getting cold. So, look, I hear what you're saying. As far as I'm concerned, that was a game where you needed to swamp that midfield, get the ball, get, you know. And I, and I really genuinely believe that Vardy just up top on his own. On yeah. his own, he can run the channels, he can do all that work. And I think if you played Luckman and Barnes, 
and the, I've got to say, the one person I would play if he, if he was fit would be All Brighton because I think he just gives you that more more aggression down the flank. But he's not fit. But I just think um, with with those two creating, just I just think Vardy Vardy would have potentially picked them off yesterday. But you know that that that's that, that's me being a hindsight merchant. But of course, out of all your nuggets, Keller, I think we can all agree that number four, Bertrand, not good enough. Tech. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. And in fact, in fact, as we were saying over a pint on Saturday evening, Southampton Football Club are heads off, aren't they? They've got 13 million quid. They've got probably five million quid's worth of wages off their off their books. Meanwhile, the Leicester City bench is loaded with more rubbish. <laughs> And, and, and meanwhile, Norwich shortlist Ralph Hasenhutl, which I'm not, I'm not, I'm not quite, <laughs> I don't quite understand what, what Norwich, why Norwich think he would leave Southampton. What I don't understand is how, how they wait and wait for like, oh, basically it's taken them three seasons. Obviously they worked in the Premier League last year. They finally win a game and actually they've drawn a couple of the last, the last three or four as well. So they're in a rich vein of form for Norwich. And they <laughs> wait till they win and then they sack him immediately after the game. I mean, and, and, what, what? and what you wouldn't mind, Norm, what you wouldn't mind, I just assumed when they sacked him that the new replacement was going to be unveiled this morning. They haven't even got one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, let, let's let's <laughs> let's move away from our trials and tribulations of Premier League football because at least at the start of the season we knew that we had a very very easy Europa League group norm to deal with, didn't we? Well, no, we we, we didn't know we had a very very easy group to deal with, but it was um it was one that we should have got out of, um, but it's now starting to look a little bit more of a. A little bit more of a challenging challenge, isn't it, for in following uh, Thursday's game against uh, Spartak, which I I can't believe I came away from that game having not seen us win. You know, yet again, a you know defensive error cost us the goal. But I thought we were, I thought we played reasonably well for a lot of the game, to be honest, and I thought we thoroughly deserved to win. But it was just, you know. <laughs> I, I, I like Vardy taking penalties, but a player that's just come on, I, d I do wonder whether that was the that's kind of the right decision. And bless old Dewsbury Hook, look, looking like he was going to score his first, I think his first European goal, and Ian Acho managed to pop up in the way. But, you know, I, I actually came away from the game thinking it was fairly satisfied with the performance. I thought we'd done as, as much as we... We, we, we could have done really and I, I, I thought we were a little bit I honestly thought we were a little bit unlucky Killer they 10 days earlier had lost 7-1 to Zenit St Petersburg they won one game in the group got, got to put it into context guys haven't you this is if you were con if you were going to compare them with an English team I think you've got to be looking in the championship haven't you I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced this is a group of, uh, of, of, of players yeah. that would survive the, the Premier League. And therefore, you've got to say it's a desperately, desperately poor performance. Um, yes, yes, they part the bus. Obviously, they were going to. We'd, we'd scored four at their place. Um, you know, so they were, they were going to make it difficult for us. And 
I've got to say, when when Victor Moses scored, I did fear the worst. So for us to come back and then obviously potentially could have won it and should have won it, uh, albeit even if it wasn't the penalty, certainly one of the other chances. But does look like we're going to do things the hard way, Tim. And it does look like at this stage that we're going to have to go to uh, to Napoli. And uh, well, we know we're going to have to at least get something. We might have to go there and win. So I, in my total despair at the end of that game, and by the way, shocking defending for Victor Moses' goal. I got yeah. five players yes. around him, yes. and he, he just not nodded it into the corner. Absolutely shocking. But um, in my complete despair, I actually went and had a look at the table. I was slightly surprised to see there is still a way through here. So providing we beat uh, Legia in the next game, and as you say, Keller, we, we must now get something at Napoli... As long as um, the other game isn't a draw, we will be okay unless there's an incredible goal swing in the in the Legia Spartak game. So, in a nutshell, four points, Norm, should just about do it unless we're very, very unlucky. It's whether we can go to Napoli. I mean, we know we're not going to keep a clean sheet in either game, don't we? So, if I put you both on the spot, are we going to qualify, Norm? <laughs> oh, let me well, just press pause and let's just look into our pints of Trumpwells and see if we can look for look for some some telepathy here. Right. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we look. In all seriousness, of course we can. We should be leisure at home, and to be clear, it's quite likely that Napoli would have dispatched Spartak. This meaning rather favourably a draw. Them would mean that they won the group. So we might be fine that we're travelling to Napoli um, with them fundamentally already pretty well already qualified um, and playing a weaker team than, than we are. So I, I, th- I think, yes, I think we will qualify. But I think it will be courtesy of Napoli beating Spartak in the next game and frankly not being too bothered about how they need to perform when we visit them. All right, I'm going to be the doom merchant. I'm going to say we're not going to qualify because I just Napoli have uh, Napoli are unbeaten, the top of Serie A, and the the thing is, if we beat Legia, they will not have winning the group guaranteed, which in many years wouldn't be a problem. No, but this Tim... year, if you this year you've um, got a, a round of 32 game if you finish second, which the group winners don't have. No, no well, Tim, you, you, you are sorry to interrupt. You are spot on. But what I'm saying is, is that if we beat Legia and Napoli have beaten Spartak, a draw for Napoli against us yeah. will win the group. So what I'm saying is, they won't go into the game having to win. Yeah, they they will go in, and we will go in, probably knowing that a draw is likely to see us qualify. To beat Legia, so their goal difference is going to be kaput, basically. So I I I think that 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 will play into our hands, and if we if we need if we have to get a result in that play, I don't think we'll qualify. But I I I think we'll be I think we'll be okay just because of how it's going to pan out. So you you can see us playing doing the West Germany Austria playing it across the back four for the entire ninety minutes, both teams. Except that across, I tell you what, if we did it across our back four with Amarty, he'd probably find a way of knocking it into his own net. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, that's that's where that's where I'm going. <laughs> right. Well, listeners, we are going to be giving next week a miss because it's yet another interminable international break. But um, we have had a song sent in um, from 
one of our listeners that reminded us about doing doing our really quite awful FA Cup songs uh, about Ian Acho last, last year, or brilliant, <laughs> depending on your point of view. So you two, have a, have a listen to this one. It's about thirty seconds. This this is from this is from a listener called Martin. <laughs> We are the best team right in town. We have the best players around, and are getting a new ground. So, if if any if, if any of our listeners think they can uh, they can do better than that, please um, email a song into LeicesterCityPubcast at gmail Or indeed, if you have any suggestions on a theme that you would like to hear myself, Killer, and Norm sing to you about just, over the next two or three I, weeks, then I, then let us know. I would just like to say uh, thanks very much for that, Martin. Lesson. Um, was a, a beautiful song and you you did it justice with your uh, lyrics and wonderful tone thank you can it i was make a, a suggestion a suggestion tim why don't why don't we open to our listeners as well why don't we come up with the best festive leicester oh what a new it. one as, as, yeah it's got to be it's got to be a totally original original song but obviously using festive melodies come up with the best festive Leicester City song. Obviously, the three of us will try and try and cobble something together. But um, if obviously all our listeners, including Colin, um, have a go at that, I'm sure I'm sure we can have some fun as we lead up to where uh, as we lead up. To Ooh, the I think, you know, I think that's a, I think that's a lovely idea, and maybe the winner we can put forward to Britain's Got Talent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do they do pl- preliminary rounds? <laughs> <laughs> so we're, going, we're having quite an unseasonably uh, warm autumn, aren't we? But we were we were chatting the other day in the in the Foss Arms about some of the dreadful games we've been to in the in the in the bad old days when not only were was the the weather worse than it used to be, but we were a lot worse than we used to be. But either either of you got any particular shocking memories of worst weather trips that you've done? Quick stories. The worst weather by a mile was the famous Portsmouth away, where how on earth that game didn't get abandoned. I mean, the ball, it was literally just hitting the ground, and there's massive splashes, and it was just <laughs> staying dead. But I, I just remember we got soaked walking from the pub to the ground, and then it obviously it was an open end in those days at Fratton Park, and then they even kept kept us in afterwards. And um, and we left absolutely sodden. But I'm just going to quickly share this story for you because it was just, you know, sometimes in life, something so bad that even when you look back, sort of 25 years later, you still grimace. I had, in retrospect, made the mistake of going and having a very nice warm winter break over in the Canary Islands with a couple of years, And had arrived back to Leicester on Saturday morning, having enjoyed some very nice 25 degrees, only to be greeted by 
literally minus two, minus three. It was freezing. Didn't really think too much of it. Sort of got myself wrapped up. Went down to and watched a, a game down at the old Filbert Street. And I just remember being through the first half thinking, I'm in trouble here. I, I, I am literally absolutely freezing. I've just taken about a 28 degree <laughs> swing in terms of where I'm going. And I'm absolutely, and, and at half time, I'm so, I've gone into the concourse. And somebody's walked up to me and gone, You're right, mate. I said, Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like shivering. They went, You actually seem to be turning blue, <laughs> which is a bit worrying. Somebody came to my rescue then with a hip flask of brandy. And, uh, and I just about got through the second half. Now, anybody that knows me will tell you that if Leicester City are playing at home on a Saturday, where will you always find me straight after the game? And that's in the Foss Arms, of course, having a pint. And it's the only time, fellas, at the end of the game, I've come out of the of, of Filbert Street and I've jogged home, right, <laughs> just to get myself warm. And then I've got, literally got home and I've just got into bed. And I've just got the quilt round me and I'm shivering in bed, just mumbling to myself like some sort of extra from the Captain Scott movie in the Antarctic. <laughs> Horrendous. So it wasn't that the weather was really, really bad, albeit it was really cold. It was just that I practically had blue hypothermia. Horrible. Very, yeah, very I, good. I, I don't really think I can kind of... Um... To, to any better than either, either of those stories, but I do remember going to um, not. Do you remember the ZDS Cup? Yeah, yeah. that comic, the the comical Patrick cup. evening. It, well, it yeah. was the Fitzpatrick evening. Um, <laughs> what what makes it slightly more memorable for me is that I travelled down from Newcastle for the the game, so um, travelled a, a very long way to go and see it, and fundamentally get drenched, but because it, it, it just did not stop raining, but. Frankly, it was actually a positive game because we won, and there are about eight thousand Leicester fans there in the ZDS, like yeah. nor, nor, we northern semi-final. We were just a success, weren't we? Yeah, I mean, this is laughable. It was a nothing trophy. Eight thousand went on. A, no, exactly. no that, that, that's it. But the thing, the thing that I actually remember most is that the, the that was actually a rearranged game. I'd also travelled down from Newcastle to Nottingham for the original one, which was postponed. Due to the weather, just just before uh, just before I arrived in Nottingham, so I had made a you know a, a quite a significantly long and wasted journey to uh, see my see my team. A good night in Nottingham though was yeah. it, so it was worth it. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean games like that you, you you don't forget with like just getting utterly drenched in cold. But I particularly like the idea of you jogging, Keller, back from a game, not not just going onto your quill, but having jogged. Yeah. Yeah, jogging. Possibly the last time I ever did, by the way, mate. You, you don't, you don't, you don't really seem to have. I, I'm, I'm guessing now it's because the stadia are, are, are better, aren't they? You generally undercover. You don't seem to have these terrible weather experiences as much anymore. There's, there's a couple stick in my mind. One it was fog. And do you remember when uh, Brighton had a, f- a few seasons yeah. playing at the Withdean Stadium? Yeah. Went down there and... Um, they couldn't see a thing, what, could you? Literally could not you, see a thing. Well, the, where the City fans were... So we actually scored, and I think it was Brian Dean scored, but it was, it was in the Brian, final. Brian you Dean. actually yeah. could not see it. And we yes. we only found out we scored. Well, the players had finished their celebration and came jogging back. And we're like, why, why aren't they running? Why aren't they sprinting? What's going on? Suddenly realised there'd been a goal. Because obviously there's no announcement. So that like, shambolic... 
stadium. And then, and then there's this massive delayed reaction that must have been about 20 or 30 seconds after the goal had gone in, just with the fog. So that was a brilliant one. But the place well, I, I remember, remember him coming running out of the fog, Tim. He came out running out the fog. It was like a top of the pops thing. Literally, <laughs> it was like somebody turned around and said, here's the brand new Dean. And he came running out like this. And we've all turned around and gone... Scored. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> that was magic. But the the other one, but the play the place for me, and I went away twice, and it was round about. I can't remember the exact years. It was round about 1987 to 1989, when um, we were dreadful. When they had Andy Ritchie, and when he always scored against us. And I remember Joe Royal referred to Boundary Park as Ice Station Zebra. Because it was always so cold. In fact, Norm, it's the second highest ground in the league behind West Bromwich Albion. Of course, Norm, West Bromwich Albion. And it, but it just awesome. seemed like, you, but the time, both times we went there, started the day in beautiful sunshine in Leicester, and by the time you get there, it's teeming down and freezing on the open terrace at Oldham, and you know there's a a late Andy Ritchie winner to to send you home miserable as well. But it, yeah, doesn't seem to happen as much these days, does it, for some reason? Do, do you remember, Tim, just very quickly before we move on to this, because I never understood this. Leicester City were the only team that used to have that big, gigantic tent that they used yeah, to have. Balloon, yeah, balloon, yeah. Over, over, over Filbert Street. And what they used to do, which I always thought was really nice, in those days, I was only a young kid, and I used to go down with my uncle, we used to sit in the East End. And what was nice is, when there was a tent, they used to clear the snow off the and lob it into the east end so you would literally <laughs> have a foot of snow under your feet but what was what was hilarious about it is you, you'll remember in those days it was always a pretty big deal when Leicester City were on match of the day do you remember going to the games mm -hmm. yeah. if you saw the match of the day cameras it was a big deal because then you could get home in the evening have your fish and chips and 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 if your mom and dad let you you could stay up then and watch and watch match of the day but I remember what used to happen when when the we were on match of the day because we were the only game that was ever going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was bizarre. And of course, it'd be a rubbish game because the pitch was rock hard. And you know what I mean? All the players would go, we don't really fancy this, to be honest. <laughs> and then eventually, I think they ended up just getting rid of that tent and claiming, claiming it was too expensive to pump the hot air in. When I think actually it just came down to the fact that somebody just turned around and went, why don't you just postpone the game and play it midweek? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you'd, you'd have thought it would have cottoned on, really, wouldn't you? It was, it was a good idea. Yeah, we get, and we get more people midweek. It's better atmosphere. <laughs> you, may, you just mentioned in the Easter, just very quickly, we'll come on and talk about the Chelsea match now. But did you notice today they've announced about safe standing with five clubs trialling it from the 1st of January? So you've seen that. So it's going did to be. You, did, you, did you laugh at that, by the way? Because people have been standing in stadiums for about the last ten well, years. Yeah. They just ignore seats, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> isn't that what? Isn't that what? Uh, the, the, the cops about at Leicester. It's just a group of guys that ignore seating and stand. But would you? Would you? So I, because for me, I used to love standing. If, if City did it, would you want to stand again, or, or are you sort of into sitting now? You two? physically, I don't think I could. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Nom? I think I'm with. I think I'm with Keller. No, no, in, in all, <laughs> no, no. In all seriousness, the the the, the standing was great because of. Like the for, for all the reasons that sadly the the the, the, the it went it went wrong because it was it was compact it was you know it, the, the little surges and stuff these are all the things that made the excitement I suspect standing 
in your own seat, basically. It's it's nice to stand, but it's not. I don't think it will be. The, it won't generate the same atmosphere as the old pens in pen. You know, in in the uh, Filbert Street, for instance, or or like a, a packed standing terrace that you get in lower league around. So, I, I I I think it's good that it's coming back. I don't think it will be as great as it used to be historically but i understand of course why we can't go back there yeah it'd be interesting to see but I, I don't think the club said anything about it have they as far as i'm aware we've noticed this the t- i think at the moment it's two manchester clubs spurs celtic have been trying it for a while haven't they so yeah it'd be interesting interesting to see what about two weeks time we've got a very very easy game coming up next don't yeah, we Chelsea normally. yeah and don't no, no, don't really see any problems there i would imagine that our <laughs> the wonderful Leicester City of the last two seasons will turn up and we'll um, we'll roll them over, and that is of course what I'll be predicting. And I, I think if you want the, a serious thought about the game, it's probably better to speak to to Killer or you have a chat yourself because you, I am Mister Optimistic and I can't bring myself to be negative. He's so, refu- <laughs> refusing to talk about. <laughs> A warm welcome for Ben Chilwell then, Killer. Let's start that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, chilly. I I mean, in truth, it'll be a lukewarm reception for him. Yeah. Let's be honest. When when we're talking about the top three now, we don't talk about the top four because we don't know what the top four is going to be. There's three sort of standout teams, but there's no doubt. Three three weeks ago, we were all talking about these three teams as if as if they could go through the season unbeaten, safe and maybe beating each other. Yeah. And now it's got a very different complexion. Liverpool have dropped points against Brighton, beaten against West Ham, obviously beat result against against Crystal Palace. And then and then just when you thought you'd seen it all, Chelsea, the absolute coupon buster, wasn't it, on Saturday? Home win to um to to Burnley. Burnley nothing yeah. not nothing looked more certain and they go and fluff their lines. So, you know, let's let's not start talking about any of those three like they are all conquering. And there is a chance that we could catch them on an off day. But two things are going to have to happen, Tim. One is they are going to have to have an off day, which is possible. The other thing is, is we're going to have to play really well, as we did against Manchester United. And it is possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it looks tough, doesn't it? We've got a very winnable-looking run uh, coming up after that. If we can find anything like our normal Leicester City form, and as we mentioned last week, you know that that fourth place in the league, it's it's slowly slipping away from us. But you know, if, I wouldn't mind. Uh, you know, you, you wouldn't mind shooting at West Ham, would you? If they get a couple of a couple of decent injuries, so if we could just scramble something against Chelsea, we we then got a little run before the Christmas programme, which looks more tricky, when we've got some very winnable games. So hopefully we can have one of our crazy performances like we did against Man U. So uh, coming on then to the predictor table with Trumpwell's IPA, one point for the correct result and three points for the precise score. And we all thought we beat Leeds by varying margins. So no change, killer on seven, me on 11 points. So we have got Chelsea at home, killer. What do you think? Well, I'm still digesting you saying that West Ham having decent... I'm not sure what a decent injury is, but anyway... I'm going to go to... Fracture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably didn't quite come out right, that. <laughs> oh, oh, thank goodness, it's a, it, it's a cruciate. <laughs> I, I suppose a, a lengthy injury that doesn't hurt much. <laughs> oh, God. I like that. 
Right, okay. Well, I'm going to be realistic here, um, and I'm going to say Leicester City one, Chelsea three. I'm I'm going to be unrealistic um, because what Killers just said there is what my head is saying, but I'm going to follow my heart, and I think you can all guess, listeners, Tim and Killer. I'm going to go for a two-one Leicester victory. Need to, need to claw you back. And I'm going to go nil two. I can't see us keeping this lot out. But anyway, we live in hope. We've got two, last time he had two weeks to sort things out. He did do, and we stuffed yeah. Man U. So come on, Bren. Let's have a let's have a great couple of weeks. Um, we will be missing next week because of the international break, as I mentioned. If you've got stuff you want to send in, songs, ideas, it's lesterseepubcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed the Leicester City podcast, please subscribe and tell everyone about it. If you hated the Leicester City podcast, please keep it to yourselves. See you next week.